When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Trot's Life with Toby McKinnon. Welcome to Moving Day. It is your Thursday edition. We call it Moving Day as we move our attention to the weekend's racing and first and foremost each week on the Thursday. We're generally joined by Tim O'Connor. We'll get to him shortly. Got some really big guests on today. Mick Gurren, as per usual, and Jamie Cockshot, as per usual. Steve Telfer will join us uh, in the first half an hour, and we'll talk uh, Newcastle Mile and also New South Wales Oaks. He's got some key runners and big players across the next couple of days, particularly in Sydney. And he's a born and bred uh, Broken Hillian, is uh, Steve Telfer. So we'll touch on that a little bit as well with him and his background in harness racing. Di Giles joins us as well, and... Gee, she's having a great run at the moment. 17 winners last year was her best effort. She's had 98 winners as a trainer. She's closing in on the 100. But first, it is that time of the week, and it's one of our favourite 30 seconds of all week. Ladies and gentlemen, our first player to tee off this morning, Tim O'Connor from Ballarat in Australia. Get in the hole! Tim, welcome. How are you, mate? Hey, mate. Great to be on. And uh, once again, straight down the fairway, <laughs> 300 metres uh, with a short chip for Eagle. No, get in the hole. It's It goes in the hole, Tim. Well, there's a yeah, there's a person in the crowd there that's had too few too many beers, and he thinks uh, yeah he hasn't quite seen it correctly. But it was just a good 300 yard uh, drive down the fairway on a par four. Who's that bloke in the crowd cheering you on? You reckon had too many beers? Uh, who would that be? I'm going to say Sean McNulty. Oh yeah, he would go out that too. I reckon. Yeah, well, nice to have Sean McNulty at the golf and cheering you on too. Now, that, was a, um, that was a good response. Well, there's good, a good, good to be on. There's a good segue from Sean McNulty into Birchip because yeah, uh, he, he'll he be there, I would have thought. He's got a Bucks party that weekend, though. So oh, no. Not sure he'll be in that sort of form. <laughs> not sure he's in a total lock, but uh, he may need to, as Lockie say, be on the short backup. <laughs> he might be a conspicuous last also. Uh, <laughs> we're using Lockieisms. Uh, yeah, let's talk about Birchip. What... Um, what a what a great announcement! Sort of in the last week or so, or the news filtered through. I guess it hasn't been an announcement as such, but the uh, the two feature races on Birchip Cup Day, the Sharps Bakery Malleable Pacing Cup and the TMC Enviro Malleable Trotters Cup have both been elevated to ten thousand dollar races and some some different conditions on the races. So we should get better horses. And right across the meeting, there's um, yeah, it's shaping as a 
at least a bigger day on track than it was last year, Toby. I don't know if it can be much bigger off the track. It's a sensational day, but great to see the club get lifts uh, in their key races from $4,500 last year to $10,000 this year. It's going to be a fantastic day on Sunday, March 12. Just on the golf theme, mate, that is one place you do want to get some slice. Uh, vanilla slice, Sharps Bakery. <laughs> trust me. Oh, that's an abs- that's you to a T. That jo- that's not <laughs> a joke. To a yeah, that is cr- you mean to a T? Come oh, on, I didn't even mean that. Oh, come, on. <laughs> come on. No, fully agree with that. But I tell you what, you, you've been to Birdship. Uh, it is, you know, it, I can't stress how much fun it is. It's, it's not uh, the absolute pinnacle of our harness racing on the track, but it's still a wonderful day of racing. But off the track, it's superb. It's that carnival atmosphere the music goes all day it goes into the night um it's just yeah it's everything you want in a country race day so i cannot wait but it's it's it was disappointing in a in a sense last year wasn't it toby there was only five races on the card and they're all just four thousand five hundred dollar races so look we had small fields and you know it was just a hard day to i guess for the punters club to get rolling and there probably wasn't a lot of turnover on track but this year Two $10,000 cups, and there's also a $7,000 maiden pace. And I've heard a few whispers that the club might be boosting the three-year-old pace as well, getting that up in, in price as well. So, look, we could have an eight-race card, a couple of $10,000 races, and a couple of $7,000 races. will be a wonderful day on track. Oh, I still think the issue is, in harness terms, Horsham's next door, and Horsham races the next day with their invitational driver's race. So it's really splitting the pool of horses in that area, which makes it a bit... Difficult, but uh, that's not our issue for this morning, mate. Um, yeah, yeah. It's uh, and, and I guess the other the key point to mention is I was looking back through the conditions of last year's uh, cups, and they were restricted to horses um, that hadn't won more than five thousand dollars in their last four starts. So, you know, that suggests out of form type horses. But the conditions, uh, at least on the pacing cup this year, it's restricted to horses which have not won more than one race with prize money of over $15,000. So we could get some really nice horses coming to Birdship, and particularly from connections and trainers that think they can, I guess, find the front and lead around that tight little circuit because yeah, that's <laughs> that's tends to be an advantage there at Birdship. Oh, I've seen a few cups at Birdship where they, a couple of people have thought they wanted to lead, and uh, <laughs> it's gone pear-shaped for them. That's, uh, that's all. We'll leave it at that. Uh, great news for the club, though. I think that that's, yeah, it is uh, it's really exciting because it, the racing will hopefully match the uh, action off the track. Cannot wait. And uh, if you if you ever want to head to a country trotting meeting or you just think, I want to do something a little bit different, this is the meeting. And uh, I can assure you, you'll have a great day. March 12, the day before the Horsham Trotters Cup in the Invitational Day. Is that the, the card on the, on yep, the Monday? on the Monday, yep. Uh, now, uh, reports to me that you've put in an offer for Captain Ravishing, mate, for the $4.5 million. Is that true? Yeah, well, I only deal in sort of 1% shares with my horses, so... Uh, yeah, <laughs> That's 45 grand. I still don't know if I could even afford that, but yeah, interesting, <laughs> isn't it? There's a bit going on. I, I sort of haven't been right across that one, but um, it was interesting to see that figure put out on a, a US sale site yesterday. I don't know if you know any more, but $4.5 million was the tag, and uh, that has since come down, that ad, so I don't know where that kind of stands, that, that but I mean... Would you take four point five million? You probably would, wouldn't you? If you if you own Captain Ravishing, that's a pretty decent payday, uh, I reckon. Well, yes, but to be worth that, he'd have to really penetrate the American market as a stallion, which is uh, pretty difficult. And I suppose kicking off, he needs to win the Chariots of Fire for starters. And do you think he'll lead, mate? I had Matt Craven on yesterday. Matty Craven 
was resolute in the fact that the horse will lead, but I'm not so sure. I think Matty Craven might even cross him still. Yeah, um, interesting discussion. I've got a few little points to make there. Um, I did watch a replay going back. Uh, I can't remember when it was, but it was early days. It might have even been about start three. Oh, Captain yeah. Ravishing uh, drew barrier two. He's a son of a gun, barrier five. Uh, Captain Ravishing held out. He's a son of a gun comfortably. He's a son of a gun from memory, sat outside and crushed him and beat him, <laughs> which uh, is almost but un- inconceivable now. So I, I, I think you'll lead, Toby. I think you'll lead comfortably, Captain Ravishing. And um, in my opinion, fast horses are fast horses wherever they want to be used. I, I can't see anything crossing him, but uh, there's certainly a school of thought out there that Barry One isn't to his best advantage. But, but that's like saying that when we were 10, you got me out once, so now I wouldn't belt you all around the park. And we all know that's true if we played cricket. So well, I get you out every time now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't you know actually. I'd be, trying to hit, I'd be trying to hit you in the head. <laughs> I wouldn't be getting you out. No, I do. Um, it was just an interesting, I mean, it was a, it's just a key bit of form there. I just thought it was interesting to look at. Uh, speaking, I went out to Emma Stewart and Clayton Tonkin Stables on Tuesday. Uh, did a little clip for the social channels with Alan McDonough. You might have yeah. had a look at that, but... And even off camera, look, he they're just categorically saying he'll lead. Has Tabe I've spoken to. I've written a story with him. He can't see any scenario where Captain Ravishing doesn't lead. I think he'll lead. Uh, I think he'll lead and win. And uh, we ran a little... You love these, Toby, so you, you mightn't have been across this one. On Facebook last night, the, the guys at HRV put together a little um, four-box uh, scenario where the, each emoji related to a horse. So Captain Ravishing, he's a son of a gun, catch a wave and can't find a better man with the four options about who will lead the Chariots of Fire on Saturday night. The love heart was Captain Ravishing, the love heart emoji, and he was uh, comfortably voted yeah. as the horse that will lead. 73 but, votes, the next best was 20, which was he's... Uh, no, it wasn't even he's the son of a gun. The, the being, next one was... Does being crossed and doing the retake count as leading? Uh, not in my opinion. Oh, well, then I'd be 50-50. I think Matty will cross him, and then Mark will do uh, the old retake. Yeah, and uh, well, I guess that, that's up for debate whether that counts as leading. Um, M- Maddie said he's he's going down to a boat shop to get a tow rope, <laughs> and he said it's going to have to be a long one. That's what he said yesterday. He didn't exactly. <laughs> he, he didn't say that, but he said he'll need a tow rope. It'll be a long. That's one. That's not a bad quote. That's that's the pull out <laughs> quote for the headline on the website. I reckon. Um, just looking at that um, voting poll little thing we had on Facebook last night. Um, the second highest emoji was the thumbs up, and uh, I don't know if this says anything about a harness racing family. Uh, that wasn't even one of the options, so I don't know what was going on there. Someone's just gone with a thumbs up anyway. But uh, categorically, the the family, the HRV family, and Captain Ravishing will lead. Do, does it matter, Toby? Does he just win anyway? Well, sort of semantics. I, I sort of hope he just leads the whole way. He's on the market pegs, and he does he does something ridiculous, you know. Imagine he rent 145.8 or 146.2, you know. 146.9, the record, yeah, is that right? My field marshal over the sprint trip at Menangle. Now, if he breaks... Can he beat it? If he, oh, well, of course he can. He can beat it. He, does he no need... Doubt. He probably needs some pressure, though, doesn't he, for that to occur? He no, probably won't do that solo, not. or I, you don't... I think he buckles a little bit under pressure. Leap to fame, put him to the sword. I just think he, 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 likes, he likes dictating terms, you know, and as soon as... Um, He's probably a bit like a, a a fast bowler. They like dictating terms, and once someone hooks them for six a couple of times, they just they, they fire just up. Lose you get an extra five k out they of j- uh, yeah, but they just lose their line and length, and then they're done for the day. You know, 
Well, I, I guess the scenario for him to break the record, would the best scenario be he's a son of a gun, spears across, leads, and he goes around for the retake, and yep. there's, that's set up a fast first quarter? Possibly, very possible. And then he just runs a, a 28-5, 29 second quarter, which I know sounds fast a lot. but And then and then Mark finds – there's a button on Mark's cart somewhere. I haven't found it. Um, yeah, it's there. I've seen it. <laughs> uh, I've been at the trials, and I have seen it. It is on there, and there's a, the, a little NOS cylinder as well. At the 600, he pushes the button or whatever he does and just see what he can do. Or does he just win the, the chariots? And at whatever, even if he runs 150 and then it's the Miracle Mile's the next target, and that might be when he really lets him go. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just get – I'm probably just making – this is probably just be me being a, a romantic, but when I was out there Tuesday, it just – there just feels to be an air of he's going to do something special. There's just a confidence yep. amongst yep. you know Emma, Clayton, Alan. They, they just feel like he, he's just going to go – Crazy. So whether it's the the track record, Toby, or um, there's been a few whispers, maybe it's the the quickest last quarter in history or something like that. Could he do that? That's possibly more likely. Yeah. Okay. Where he just absolutely roars in the last four hundred. Um, either way, I, I can't wait. Um, it, it's I haven't been excited about this for a race probably since the four year old Bonanza, and I had a horse in the race, and I wanted Captain Ravishing to to do something special against my horse, and he did. <laughs> Woohoo! We've got the peacock again. <laughs> um, and just very briefly, because we're going to get out to a break, because I've got uh, Steve Telfer lined up for eleven twenty. Uh, Pink Galaz has retired. I saw a little uh, note on Twitter or somewhere about that uh, in the last twenty four hours. And you just spoke to Maddie Craven. Yeah, absolutely. I, I did see a little note as well, but just want to confirm that with Maddie. Yeah, she has retired. Uh, she ran in a race at Hamilton, I think, mid January. That's her final start. Reading the tweet here from Darren Clayton doing my work for me, but she retires as a five-time Group 1 winner, 45 career starts, 18 career wins, over $300,000 in prize money. And he summed it up. What a wonderful little mare. She was every bit of that, and uh, what a great story she's been. She had a, a great tie through the family and a very special horse, but she is finished as a racehorse. And I don't think she was even perfectly sound when she was broken in, so she has done a terrific job. I think they called her the Brown Dog too, which Correct. was a, a great little nickname. Uh, maybe it's not one you wanted to have if you're a <laughs> uh, if you're a horse, but it's a, it was pretty. A, it was an affectionate name, and yeah, yeah. she was a ripper. Wasn't she? At her best, uh, she was very, very good, and she was just a little a little thing. And um, what a what a career she's had. Five Group Ones, hundred percent. Good on you, Tim. We'll do it again next week. Chat then. Cheerio. See you, mate. Let's get a breakaway. We'll come back with Steve Telfer on the other. You're listening to Trot's Life with Toby McKinnon. Welcome back. It is Trot's Life with Toby McKinnon and Steve Telfer is on the line. Steve, firstly, mate, uh, how are you and whereabouts are you today? Yeah, no, I'm I'm well, thanks, mate. I'm just in um, sunny Auckland today after uh, the cyclones passed through. Okay, so any damage for you and your establishment, or have you are you a bit further south, or tell us about that? No, uh, look, we're pretty much right in Auckland, just on the outer outer suburbs. Uh, yep. But um, look, we're we're a lot luckier than a lot of other people around around here. Um, we've just had a few trees down, um, things like that. But um, it um, yeah, there's a lot of devastation around us, but uh, we've been pretty good, to be honest. Now, we'll, we'll get to some really nice horses in a second, but there's one that uh, I wanted to ask you about. From a long time ago, a horse called Solero Miss 
Do you remember a horse called Celero Miss, and can you tell us a story about it? Yeah, no, I remember um, Celero Miss. That was um, up in Broken Hill, and um, yeah, my dad, um, my dad trained Celero Miss, and it was owned by the local Central Football Club boys. Um, and I think, um, I think my mum drove drove her first winner on Celero Miss, and uh, up there in Broken Hill. So. Um, yeah, that was quite a few moons ago, mate. Yeah, it certainly was, and I'm tipping you weren't expecting uh, me to ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that one I didn't do. No, no, I wasn't expecting that, mate. <laughs> yes, certainly was. But yeah, your, your late father Jeff and and Fran, it was her first winner at uh, Broken Hill, and mate, that's late seventies, early eighties. There seriously wouldn't have been too many female drivers around then. No, there wasn't. No, no. Um, I think. Um, I think Margaret Frost was pretty much one of the, one of the only one of the ones. only few besides Mum. So um, yeah, no, um, yeah, Mum Mum was you know quite a good driver and and did a great job and had a had a um, bad track work accident and that pretty much stopped stopped her um, stopped her driving. Yeah. So so just in in brief, you know, you've been in harness racing all your life. You spent time at John Justice, Barry Purden, did a little stint with Gavin Lang as well. So. You've had a lot of a lot of eyes, a lot of people. You've been able to steal a bit of information along uh, from along the way. Yeah, yeah, no, you've done your homework, mate, haven't you? Um, yeah, yeah, no, um, you've been around a little bit, and um, you know, I think the thing is, you learn you learn something from everyone, and um, take out of it what what actually suits you, and um, you know, I think that's what we've been able to. Able to do over over the years, and um, seems to be working working well for us at the moment. Very good. Now this weekend, there's a number of horses to talk about. BD Joe and Alta Wise Guy. Now they all say that this Pinny Tiger's got gate speed to burn. Uh, what are your yeah. plans with BD Joe? Firstly, and Alta Wise Guy secondly, I suppose. Yeah. Look, um, I've watched a few videos, and um, you know he does does get out very quick. Um, but we can't control that. All we can control is um, that uh, we can get out as fast as we can and and try and hold the front and and um, over a mile take take bad luck out of out of the equation. That was for BD Joe and yeah. the other guys got very good gate speed, um, but he's he's actually just just better off a cold sit. So um, more than likely he'll just park himself just in behind the leaders, uh, Toby. Yeah, well, older wise guy was pretty good at Menengo. I know it says eighth next to his form, but he was only beaten six metres by BD Joe, and he had gate eight on that occasion. So I'd, I'd imagine there's not that much between them, if that, that makes sense. No. No, no, probably not that much. Um, BD Joe's just probably more versatile, mate. He's, um, he's um, uh, you know, he can work in his races as he did at Menangle. He can he can lead up and be very hard to run down. And, um, you know, he's, he's, he's pretty good off a cold sit as well. So he just brings more versatility. Um the other guy probably can't work in his races, but um, has got a, a real a freakish turn of speed. So, um, yeah. you know, in the races where he can get himself just close to the pace, um, he, he often proves very, very hard to beat. And if things don't quite go to plan in Newcastle, do you back him up next week to get into that Miracle Mile? Uh, yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Um, you know, hopefully the plan is to win, but they'll be the same with six others in the race. Um, but um, if not, they'll um, they'll back up and, and go into Menangle. On Saturday night, um, they've had a wee break leading into this one, so they're going in pretty fresh. And um, you know, I don't, I don't think the runs will hurt them, Toby. 
Yeah. Can, can they dead heat and then they both get in the Miracle Mile or do they? <laughs> <laughs> that'd, that'd be good, wouldn't it? <laughs> that'd be great. I'm not sure the rules around that. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, you've, you're throwing some good ones at us today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, I know you're a good cricketer back in the day, so I just thought I, I'd have to be, you know, keep me on in length and keep keep your wits about you. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, on you. <laughs> you're getting me quite surprised here on a few of these. Yeah, that's all right. Kalua flyby. Now, it's just the perfect race series for it because there's nothing with Millwood or Nike in its name, really, isn't it? The Oaks. No, look, it's it. It looks that way, mate. But things are never, never, never that easy, you know. Like I've just been studying a bit of the form, and some of the New South Wales horses and the Victorian ones have been running good races. So, um, yeah, look, it's good not to be able to be raked over the races and not have to run into her. She's, um, you know, she's been pretty freakish over here. Um, um, by the same token, I've got a lot of time for our filly, and very adaptable filly, and um, you know, just a just a lovely mare. Lovely, well, lovely filly to um, to have going into the Oaks series. Yeah, and she comes home after the series, I assume. Yeah, yeah, she's booked to come home after next. Uh, hopefully, she makes the final next Saturday, and then she'll fly straight home because we've got uh, we've got our um, our Auckland Oaks or Great Northern Oaks um, three to four weeks after that. So um, she'll come home, have a wee freshen up, and and get ready for that. Ultra Meteors in a Harness Million race uh, over there as well and went pretty good last week. You'd be hoping for some sort of a result? Uh, yeah, look, he's raced in all the big races as a two-year-old, late two-year-old in the season and um, had to sit parked in a lot of them and he's always there at the finish and, you know, he was, um, you know, very honest and, and right there. So um, got a front row draw of barrier four um, with a few of the favourites drawn out the back. So, um, look, we we'll definitely look to... Um, Definitely look to punch forward and and um, try and try and take a key role in the race and um, and um, you know see how it all pans out from there. Um, all being well, if he comes through the run well, he's booked to go on a he's booked to be on a flight over on Monday night and um, contest the um, heat of heat of the derby next Saturday over there in Sydney. Yeah, very good. Uh... Well, thanks for coming on, Steve. Uh, I'm off to Broken Hill again. I was there last year for their cup uh, on the long weekend. I don't know if you've got anything good enough there to contest the Broken Hill Cup this year, but it'd be a, you'd be a welcome addition. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll probably this year, but um, you know, it's um, I've seen a few of those in the years and years gone by, but um, you're bringing back a few memories, Toby. Yeah, very good. Good on you, Steve. Best of luck over the weekend. Yep, see you, mate. Bye. There's Steve Telfer from, originally from Broken Hill. He spent a fair bit of time in the Riverina as well. Those uh, those that love, we have a strong contingent of Riverina followers in this show, and he's another one you can claim as a Riverina man uh, from Area Park. He was, uh, uh, Fran still lives there, his, uh, his mother. Um, yep, so great man, Steve Telfer. He's in... Broken Hill has produced a number of really good trainers and drivers over the years, and uh, they're a great part of the industry. And, and yep, it's tough up there at the moment getting fields together, but it just shows how important keeping those parts of the industry alive as uh, people penetrate into the mainstream sport from outlying areas like that. Let's get to the news, and we'll come back the other side. We'll catch up with some tips from Darren Carroll for Hamilton. And I've got one I like as well. It's just not quite the odds I was hoping, but I'm still pretty keen on it. The SEN app, now compatible with Apple Watch. 
Download today to listen anywhere, anytime. Shirts Life, have you ever seen the rain? And hopefully today it's going to rain some winners. I am keen on one. Darren Carroll's got two tips as well. We'll grab hold of those in a moment. Mine is uh, race six, number six, Delwyn Sun. Gets back to a 51 to 54 grade here. Now it's won eight races and it's taking on a horse like Royal Division who's had three starts. Uh, last start, it was first up Delwyn's son at Geelong in a 56 to 66 grade. Ran six there in a really strong race compared to this, beaten 12 metres. Look, it's only about four or five starts back. This horse was racing in 20 grand uh, MOs at Melton. Uh, look, it, and taking on horses that are 70s and 80s. Delwyn's son would be, look, at his best, he will win this race. Uh, gate six is a bit tricky. Five dollars and a dollar eighty. It's about the right price. I, I was hoping for a little bit longer as his figure form's not great, but it's a great each way bet anyway. There's only nine in it. It might do a little bit of work early and maybe set it up for something else. So he's no guarantee a win, but I'm pretty happy with race six, number six, Delwyn's son. Let's grab Darren Carroll from Giddy Up this morning with Garrick Knight. And then we'll get to a break. Come back the other side of the break with Diane Giles. Hamilton today. Jeez, it's a tough meeting, I think, at Hamilton. I might be wrong, but our man that can help us out is Darren Carroll. Good morning to you, Darren. You're really wrong, Gareth. Um, very, very tough meeting today. Um, so, yes. Um, yeah, we'll be treading warily as far as our $10,000 challenge is concerned. But uh, our job is to find some winners. And I found a couple of races that I think we can target with some confidence. Um, first one's race seven, number three, Dynamo. The key to this race is the start. Um, as you know, from listening in, um, we like to tip leaders or certainly the ones that are on speed or the ones that map well. Well, I think this one finds the front today and um, if it does, then it gets its chance. The last time it led, it was three starts ago at this track and distance and it was run down by a really nice horse called Ratella, which is racing later on in the day in a much stronger race. And they come home in under 28 in that race. So if it runs similar times to that today, I reckon it can get away with this race. So race seven, number three, Dynamo. It's going to be around about the $3 mark. And, um, yeah, if it finds the front, then I think it gives us a really good run for our money. And the uh, the other one I like is uh, race nine, number six, Delightful Temmy. It's a Peter Manning train, Karen Manning driven, three-year-old filly. Uh, it's taking on the older horses, which is always a challenge, you know, especially for a horse that's only won one race. But I really like to run um, two runs back. And then on top of that, she raced in a really strong race on Hunter Cup night. And it's amazing sometimes when you find a strong race that the form out of those races um, proves to be a pot of gold. Already out of that race, like she's finished um, sixth in that race. There's a couple of horses, only two horses raced since then finished behind her and they've both gone out and won at the next start. So I think this is a really good race that we can look forward to as a future form reference and find some winners out of. And um, although she's drawn Paul in, in six, I think she's got the strength to push forward and may even find the top or, or sit park. But race nine, number six, Delightful Temmie is the other bet. So race seven, number three, Dynamo into race nine, number six, Delightful Temmie. 
not as confident as probably some of the other days, but I still think that they're good bets. Yeah, I think delightful Tammy's immoral, race nine, number six, because they are no good that she's taking on. Um, immoral. Yeah. No, so. oh, she's definitely uh, found the right race. What is she in the market getting into about $2.15 yeah. now? So. Jeez, I don't know if I take her on with the $10, the $10 10K challenge, Daz. Yeah. Is she worth, like, is she that much better than them? Um, uh, those ones off the back finish pretty hard. The 10 and 11, uh, Love yeah. a Scrap and Talara Shadow are dangers. Look, if she found the front, I think she'd be winning. Right, um, yeah. We'll think about it. All right, mate. All we'll right, catch bye. up with you tomorrow. Thanks for that, Des. Cheers. You're listening to Trust Life with Toby McKinnon. Welcome back to Trot's Life. It is your Thursday edition. I'm now joined by Diane Giles. I've been looking forward to catching up with Diane for some time, and it, it all worked perfectly for today. Di, firstly, how are you and whereabouts are you today? I'm good, thank you, Toby. Um, well, I've just uh, gotten back to our property at, at Belan. We've, we've been to Milton and worked the horses and got them out of the way before the heat, and I'm, I'm at home at Belan at the moment. Very good. Now, let's go back a little bit. Your first runner, or as a trainer, was on the 16th of January, 07. And uh, it was it a tactical dream to be training horses? And ironically, the horse was tactical dream maker. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, it's sort of, I've, I've always, well, I've been involved for quite a while. And I suppose the next step was naturally to, to start training them myself. Um, I gen, uh, originally, well, still really train horses that I've bred myself. Yep. Uh, tactical dream maker, I didn't breed myself, but um, she came to the stables and mares have always been my thing. I love the mares. I get on with the mares. And, um, yeah, she came to the stables and she was a bit of a funny thing. So, um, yeah, I, I just sort of took over her and I had... Um, another mare at the time that Lance was training for me that I owned called uh, Looks Like Lani. Yep. So they were my first two and, and they both ran on the first, the first uh, my, my first meeting as a trainer. They both raced in a practical dream maker one and Looks Like Lani got narrowly, narrowly beaten. So <laughs> I nearly, nearly pulled off a double on my first day, <laughs> but not quite. So Lance doesn't get along with the mares. That'll be, that's news to a oh. few. <laughs> no, no, look, I'm not going to say that he doesn't get along with the mares, but I just, um, I, I, I've always loved working with the mares. I, I, I think, you know, the mares give you everything. The geldings, oh, sometimes I can't deal with their, <laughs> deal with the geldings. But, um, yeah, look, I have both, but the mares are my thing. I love the mares. Well, well, I sort of had that as a question for you, actually, because there's been a lot of mares you've got, some from New Zealand, etc. You've raced them and then you've bred from them. I sort of figured you were buying these horses as breeding propositions and then racing them, winning a few races or, or whatever you could with them and then and then breeding from them. So is that just the added bonus? Although some sometimes their owners, I realise, that are breeding from them as well. But is that the added bonus, the whole breeding and then bringing the progeny through? Yes, that's sort of where I get my, my enjoyment out of it is, is, you know, picking a stallion and um, watching them grow and, and, and then to be able to win a race with something that you've, you know, produced yourself is uh, there's yeah. no bigger thrill I think than, than breeding and, and winning with a horse you've bred yourself. What about Jackie Ola? She never raced though. 
No, Jackie Ola um, was given to me by um, the the owners of Spokie Ola. Um, we okay. just happened to be in New Zealand at the time and we visited them and they said, look, we've got this mare. We'd already bought Give Us a Chance, which was another yep. sister. Yep. She, oh, well, Colin Croft bought her. She ended up, she moved on. Um, but they just said, look, this one's sitting out the back if, um, you know, She's not doing anything. If she doesn't go to you, she probably never will. So they, they literally gave her to us. Um, and she got to us and um, she had an accident on the track, actually, and um, sustained an injury to one of her hips. And she um, sort of, that's why she never got to the races. Name. So she just went straight to the breeding bung. Yep, and then you named horses after Jackie Barker, Smokin' Ola, Spunky Ola, Sassy Ola and Snaz Ola. Is that, is that what you were thinking? She'll probably agree with that. <laughs> well, it's got some nice synergy, though. Like, Pete, she's been a great little mare, really. Smokin' Ola, 13 wins, Spunky Ola, 12, Sassy Ola, 19 and Snaz Ola, 5. And they've nearly all found their level, if that makes sense. They've got to their right level yeah. and then they just win every 10 or so starts. Yeah, no, she's um, she's got her last bowl on her at the moment. She's um, got an ultimate sniper filly yep. with her right at the moment, and that'll be her last bowl. But yeah, she's um, she's been terrific to us. She really has. She was difficult to get in foal to start with. We lost a few along the way. Yeah, yeah. But um, the four that we did manage to produce, um, they were all you know nice bread and butter horses. Uh, another one you had was Bubba's Babe, who produced a horse called Bad Boy Brad, which was uh, named after Brad Pitt, I believe. Uh, well, it's funny that year we had, <laughs> he was by Righteous Hanover, and I bred two to Righteous Hanover that year, and I got a filly and a colt, and they were Brad, Brad and Angelina. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unfortunately, Angelina wasn't much top, but, but Brad went on to be probably one of the better horses I've bred, yes. 2016 Gumbauer Cup, is that your your highlight of your training career in, in many regards uh, it would be? That, yeah, I think so. That was a good day. He went super that day. Loved the big track and Lance drove him perfectly. And, yeah, that probably was one of one of my biggest wins, yeah. He found that uh, from memory he had dramas getting there. It was when the, the bridge was closed and you had to go around the back of the, the footy ground and across this one-lane road and everything. And he had yeah. dramas. Yeah, we did have dramas. There was yeah. Uh, yeah, almost getting out the car at one stage. <laughs> <laughs> but we got there and we won the race and that's all that matters. Are you up to date? You're up to 98 wins, so you're only two off 100. Oh, okay. Well, I wasn't wasn't even aware of that. So <laughs> well, hopefully we can get there shortly. Yeah, well, you may. So there's plenty to go through. Ballarat and Snazola, who we've already mentioned, race four, number seven, Five wins from 61 starts, but it, and there's a bit of a going to be a bit of a theme here too. It took 16 starts to win a race, but basically hitting on that one in ten strike right now. Yeah, yeah, no, she um she was a little bit wayward. She uh, took over took after Uncle Sokiola, Unfortunately, he had a <laughs> a rubber neck, and he used to run this way and that way. And she's terrible. <laughs> she still has her moments, um, but uh, yeah, she's a lot better than she was early on. The best, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Runs around a bit. Best back Bruce as well. Another one took 23 starts to win a race, but he's now nine from 88, race eight, number two at Ballarat. Yeah, he's another one. He was, oh, he, he's a big horse. And as a young horse, he was so uncoordinated and just pacing in general was an issue for him. But um, my daughter, Leilani, actually, she's uh, he's the love of her life. <laughs> so she 
she's spent a lot of time with him and um and yeah he's he's really sort of come of age now he's no superstar but he's uh he's one of the team favorites is Leilani getting a license she is. She's currently um, going to. Well, she she actually has gained her trainer's license. Yeah. Um, and we are going to shortly. We'll be combining and we'll be doing a joint partnership for training. Ah. Um, but great. she is also going through the the process of um, of getting her driver's license. She's currently um, about halfway through her trial drives to to get her license. Yeah. Oh well, she she should make it in time to drive best back Bruce then sometime. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he'll probably be one of her horses. See, see you later, Herb. That's fine. Uh, Melton <laughs> race one, Melton race one, number eleven, Sassiola. Nineteen wins from one hundred and sixty-four starts is a terrific effort, and her first win came at start thirteen. And I'm making a bit of a theme here because they don't often just win straight away, but she's been good horses for a long time. A lot of these horses. Yeah, look, Sassiola's my personal favourite. She's yep. um, she's my girl. She's my go-to. Um, it, I almost retired her to stud this year mm. um, because she sort of plateaued a little bit. But then she must have heard me, and she she's just I think she's racing career best form this last season. So um, yeah, so she she held off going to the breeding barn. I just couldn't couldn't retire her when she she was racing so well. So and and she's. She's earning money, like nearly every start she earns something. So, um, yeah, I just kept going with her. And I've actually got um, part owners in, in Sassiola with me, and they were actually in the, the me you mentioned earlier, Bubba's Babe and yep. um, and, and Bad Boy Brad, and, and they've been with me for a while, and they're, they're terrific people, Barb and Dave. And, um, yeah, so I sort of had the conversation, look, you know, She's stepped up to a higher grade now and she may have to, you know, if she doesn't step up, we may have to think about sending her to the breeding barn. And she was like, oh, you know, whatever you reckon. And, yeah, she just stepped straight up. So um, so she went another season. But she'll probably, I would say, head to the breeding barn this year. Very good. And, well, so what? I know it's only been in your name for for since last October, but she she hasn't run a dead set bad race in a long time, this horse. And you've thrown her in the deep end a couple of times, but she just keeps performing. Yeah, she's a, she's a trooper. She is. She, um, she's got a, a never say die um, sort of attitude. She just, yeah, she'll give anything a crack. She's reliable. She, she just tries 100%. And, you know, that's all you can ask for them really is, is, they just try, and she's a trier. Like she just, she never gives in. Even when she's dead on her feet, she'll just keep running. Like you know, that yeah. same pace. She won't give up. You know, she never drops out of a race unless there's something drastically wrong. But, but that's to her detriment as well because she never loses a point. Yeah, correct. <laughs> <She> really, <laughs> really finishes out of the first five. I think even first four. And um, unfortunately, she's just crept right up there in the points, and she's literally free for all now. Like she's in the nineties, yeah, so yeah. it's um, life's going to get tough for her now, and um, she's going to have to wait her turn till the runs go her way. And you know, I mean, look, there'll be races where she'll be she'll get a bit of luck, and and she'll be right in it because, like I said, she's just a trier. I, I actually counted them up, but I didn't write it down in my notes. I think she's finished worse than seventh. 
uh, worse than six, seven times in her career, and she hasn't finished worse than six for you. She's not a point dropper, that is for sure. And she didn't win at her first 12 starts either. So that just, <laughs> she's just been such, and in those 12 starts, she, she was second, third or fourth nearly every time, just been a, such a great little horse. And I think, I know Jackie was so thrilled to win that last week that race last week because it just felt like she deserved the win, if that makes sense, and, and she was desperate to get one for you, I know. She was, yeah. She she genuinely loved the little horse too. And, and she said, like, you know, <laughs> Leilani sent a question into the burning question segment and oh, yeah. and it was to Jackie to ask her who her favourite quest- uh, horse was. It was a loaded question and she came up with, so what? And then she texted Jackie and said, Bassiola's really upset with you. <laughs> Bassie's been such a, a you know great little horse to her, and she's, they've won a lot of races together. And Jackie and Sassy just click, and they get on so well. Um, but she said, "So what?" Is just you know she's such a nice horse, and I love driving her, and she is my favourite horse to drive. So um, yeah, it was funny. It is funny, and you got two in at Maryborough on Monday. I see as well, Chidsky and. Also, Wichita, Kansas. We're just running out a bit of time. But best of luck, Di, uh, over Thank the weekend. You so You've got a few runners, and that 100 isn't too far away. I don't know if there's a cricket bat there somewhere, but when you get it, you might have to <laughs> raise the bat. I'll do that for you. No okay. worries at all, Toby. Okay, thanks, Di. Good luck. Thanks very much. Bye. There is Diane Giles. Uh, and has she, he is really cracking along beautifully well. Ten wins, ten uh, percent strike rate she has. So one in every ten runners wins. She's had the ninety-eight wins all up, and you know Snazzy Ola five from sixty-one. Best back Bruce nine from eighty-eight. Sassy Ola nineteen from one sixty-four, and so what twelve from eighty-six. They're all just winning in their turn, if that makes sense. And I know we talked about the ones that don't drop back. So what not dropping back? But that that uh, point system is working beautifully for horses like that, and. They race so consistently, keep getting a check. Let's get a breakaway uh, before the top of the hour. Back next hour, we've got plenty to come with Mick Gurren and Jamie Cockshut. You're listening to Trot's Life with Toby McKinnon. Trot's Life. We're now joined from across the ditch by Mick Gurren. Mick, firstly, mate, uh, how are you and whereabouts do we find you today? Mate, I'm in Auckland, Toby, so uh, good afternoon to you and all your listeners, uh, whether they're listening via the radio or on the app around Australia. So, mate, I'm good. Um, yeah, it's been a tough old week in New Zealand. We've had earthquakes. We've had a, a cyclone, which sadly yeah. has taken the lives of a few people. Um, hasn't affected my life personally, but yeah, it's been a bit, been a bit of a tricky time, and uh, it's a very busy racing time. It's not that important in the scheme of such things, but it'll provide a nice distraction for those of us who like these sort of things. We have the Harness Million tomorrow. That's a $200,000 race at Cambridge, rolling into the Newcastle Mile tomorrow night with lots of New Zealand interest. Obviously, huge interest at Menangle on Saturday night, and then the Yearling Sales Week which is sort of four days, so it's most of a week. Uh, feels like a week. Uh, starts on Sunday at Karaka, Toby. So we have a lot of Australians like the Dean Shannons, Gene Fest type people here for that. So really intensive time in racing. And 
um, as we've discussed many times before, um, not everybody's going to get out of this what they want. So it's going to be interesting to see which bubbles burst or are embellished over coming weeks, both at Newcastle, here in New Zealand, and of course, most importantly, at Menangle. So we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a really fun and interesting time. Yeah, I had Steve Telfer actually on the show earlier. Uh, as he has a hand in everything at the moment. He's got uh, runner Elta Meteor, who's in the Harness Million, and, and then he's planned to come to Australia for the Derby Heats next week, which he confirmed on air earlier, and then... He's got a massive hand with BD Joe and uh, Ultra Wise Guy in the Newcastle Mile. And then, of course, Kalua Flyby, who's got away from Millwood Nike and gives herself a real good chance at the New South Wales Oaks. He is a great chatty. He grew up, he was born and bred in uh, Broken Hill in uh, Central Australia, basically. Still part of New South Wales. And uh, he's come a long way since then, let me tell you. Hasn't he, Mick? Well, a lot of people wouldn't realise he's actually the Premiership winning trainer in yep. New Zealand, which when you consider some of the big names who train horses over here, like the Perth, the Bunt, the Dalgettys, um, he's got that. He, he's a very um, deep-thinking guy, as you would realise talking to him, and even away from all of that stuff, he's going to rock up to Caraca, along with Steve Stockman, who runs Stonewall Start, and they'll spend a million, maybe two million, which is massive money for a harness sale on Sunday, and they'll probably spend... I don't know, maybe another couple of million next week on um, Tuesday and Wednesday. So I'm not saying those numbers are anything close to exact, but you can make a very strong case that Steve Telf is almost the biggest player of all the horse trainers in Australasia now because Luke McCarthy has a very dynamic business, but he doesn't have as many horses at work. Like Steve has over 100 horses at work, wow. and Luke and Belinda have the comedy stud. So they have a lot of a lot of fingers and a lot of pies. Mm-hmm. And obviously Emma and Clayton would have a lot of very good horses, um, which matter. But but for financial impact on the industry, Steve Telfer and Steve Stockman would probably be close to the biggest of the trainers. Obviously some of the studs would have a bigger financial impact and you know, the likes of Woodlands and, and people like Ken Brecken and obviously some of the major ones like Kevin Seymour over there. But as an actual horse trainer not many people have the horses, the facilities, or the money to play with that Steve Telfer does. So, yes, he'll be a factor somewhere, maybe everywhere, over the course of the next four or five days. Son of Max in the uh, Harness Million race as well. He's drawn the outside of the front, which doesn't help, but returned really dominant with a really good win on February 9th. And uh, he's another horse that we're going to see in Australia sooner or later with his trainer, Kyle Marshall, coming to Cranbourne. Yeah, and great work by David Scott and the team at Cranbourne to, to, to go after some New Zealand trainers and say, hey, look, let's get a different ownership base to come base themselves at Cranbourne. And, you know, the, it's a smart move. Kyle's a young guy. His partner's behind him. They want to do this together. So I think it's been really proactive. Um, I spoke to David and his team about 18 months ago about this and said, look, here's your shortlist. And I've got one of the people on that shortlist. And that's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to get someone to move countries. Hmm. Um, but yeah, he'll he'll be a nice addition to the ranks over there. He's a young guy who used to be quite quiet and shy. He started to really mature into a good horse person, and I think the way he trains and drives his horses will suit Australia. So, um, yeah, interesting time for them. And as I said, it's a very interesting week. I'm, I'm interested to see whether everybody can. All these horses can keep up to the hype. For example, Carlua Flyboy yep. has quite a bit of hype around it versus Peaceful. Now, Peaceful's a really good filly. 
I think Peaceful's at least as good as Carlua Flyby, and I think Peaceful should be favourite for the New South Wales Oaks. But we'll all find out together <laughs> over coming weeks. Same applies to a whole bunch of other horses. And, and with Captain Ravishing, it's not so much a question of how good Captain Ravishing is because we know he is a freakish talent. The question is how long mentally, physically, travel-wise, all those types of things, how he holds together. And that's not a question of ability. Travelling horses anywhere in the world is difficult, uh, particularly when you're in the middle of a heat wave. So it'll be interesting to see um, how he responds to the new challenges in his life. Um and, you know, obviously all the things he has ahead of him now because it's one thing to win the Chariots of Fire, which he should do, and then you have to win the Miracle Mile. If he does those two things in the next two and a half weeks, Toby, then we have a real superstar who we can start promoting to the level which he already seems to be promoted to. But um, yeah, maybe in a couple of weeks he'll actually deserve that. Do you think, what do you think happens in the Chariots of Fire? Do you think he's got the gate speed to lead? Or I'm not so uh, fussed on him leading. I think he'll be happy to let something cross. And uh, I think there'll be the space and time for him to get off the markers and get back around whoever it is, who's most likely he's the son of a gun. Matt Craven says he won't cross him. He said that on air to me yesterday. But uh, there's always ducks and drapes in these things. And do, do you think he'll, he'll hold the front all the way? And then and then what's the result? You see the chariots of fire. And, and are you thinking he'll, what time he'll run, Mick? Well, I think he should win. I, I, don't, I can't see any reason why he shouldn't win. Like, if we're talking, and now I'm not talking about this, lots of other people are about him being an all-time great in that chat and all this sort of language. Well, then he should win by a space. Because none of these horses will be competitive in a miracle mile. There's not a horse in the Chariots of Fire who's competitive in the Miracle Mile. I mean, forget all the nonsense talk we heard a couple of weeks ago about Catch Away being in the Hunter Cup. Catch Away didn't run a place last week in a four-year-old race. So let's be honest. None of these horses are Miracle Mile horses apart from Captain Ravishing. They might prove to be after Saturday, but not at the moment. Any horse who starts in this field here would be $25 in the Miracle Mile. Mm-hmm. So he should be able to sit past and beat them. Now... I watch a lot of Menangle racing, and if you get off the gate quick enough to cross a good horse like him, he's gonna he's gonna get off the way from the marker peaks. He just is. It's, Correct. When they're going twenty six or twenty five and a half off Correct. the gate or twenty six, you can't go fast enough to hold horses, and unless they don't want to get off the marker peaks, and and he's not behaving himself. So he absolutely should win. He doesn't seem to be bothered by racing park, although that's a bloody hard way to win races at Menangle. Um, yeah, well, I, I think. He'll win. I hope he does. I hope he wins the Miracle Mile on some levels because we've had a lot of false dawns in harness racing in the last five years. A lot of them come out of Victoria. I mean, Victoria's got a concentration of about 80% of the harness racing medias in Victoria. So therefore, when the happens in Victoria, gets blown enormously out of proportion, whereas horses can do anything in New South Wales and nothing happens because there's no one who works there. No one works in the media in New South Wales. There's actually no active television presenter on harness racing in New South Wales. Yeah. He's not one person. Yeah. He's not a person who does it. Yeah. So, I, I suppose so Brit, Brit sort of represents them on all those feature events, doesn't she? But she's certainly not New South Wales. I wouldn't say she's a New South Welsh person. Well, well she's not. So, no. so if a horse <laughs> comes out and goes 149 in, in, in New South Wales, no one cares. No one even talks about it because there's no active media there. Yeah. Yep. Whereas... You know, there's people like yourself and Jay Bon and Adam and Gareth and a whole bunch of other people and Tim and, and Michael and Cody and those guys working in Victoria. 
But that means anything that happens in Victoria is enormously magnified. So what you end up having is the bit of bliss situations or the ride high situations where horses are champions before they're champions. And poor old ride high, that wasn't his fault. He had no choice. He just he broke down and it was it. But Captain Ravishing's probably better than those horses. He's maybe more talented, but he's got a chance to prove that to us. But what you can't keep doing is rocking up to the galloping people. And I've spoken to heaps of them. And they go, wow, they tell me this thing's the best thing ever. And you say, well, actually, it's not. But it might be. But let's just relax and find out together. Because what happens is if they come out and get beat, and I hope he doesn't get beat this week. I like Mark Pitt. I hope he, I hope he wins the race. But then they just get pissed off. Can <laughs> you think of it yourself in reverse, Toby? If someone told you that a galloper was the best galloper you've ever seen in your life and that Animo is unbeatable and a freak, and then you want to watch him and he got beat, you're like, oh, that was a bit shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the better problem we've got. And it, and, it, and it is a very Victorian. Yeah, the same, when you talk to the WA people, they're the same about the WA horses because yeah. they never go anywhere else. Well, they never go anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. And unless you get on the plane and travel, um, you can't tell people. And, and that, that's fine. I, I understand how it works, but we've had a lot of these false dawns. Like, we, like it was only six months ago people were saying that Olavici was going to go to Sweden. Olavici was going to go to Sweden. Yep. Well, that was Chris you know, Lang. That was the trainer that said that, though. True, but, but as an immediate person, as you're an adult, you've got to say to yourself, well, okay, let's see how this falls out, but first you've got to win a Grand Circuit race, or first you've got to win an Inter-Dominion or whatever. So I understand how it works, but we can't keep telling people this, about these false dawns because when they happen all the time, people go, well, this just is shit. This is a weird industry. No one seems to have any idea what's going on here. So I think it's a, it, it doesn't really matter what you think is going to win a race. What's going to win a race each week? I got the Hunter Cup wrong. Other people get the Miracle Mile wrong. That's largely irrelevant. But if you keep telling people every year you have the new best horse ever, eventually they're going to think of all a bunch of morons. Um, and once we started Lock and Bar Art Ride High conversation, wonderful horses, beautiful horses. wasn't their fault they couldn't go as far as Cardigan Bay or Poplar Art. But if you keep doing that, people think you're a bunch of idiots. And that's what's really important. Like, I've had a conversation with a leading driver in North America about people saying Captain Ravish would turn up there and beat the best horses in America. And as you said, would anybody in Australia have a clue who the best horse in America was? Oh, look, I and don't, Mick. I'll tell you, I don't. I well, suppose Bulldog I, Hanover. Well, and he's been retired, so well, I don't. <laughs> yeah. and, and two years ago when we were saying Ride High could do anything in the world and beat any horse in the world, would Ride High beat Bulldog Hanover? Of course he would. So I think perspective's really important. And it doesn't matter in the AFL or in tennis or in basketball. You can say whatever you want. You can think Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback of all time. It doesn't matter. But I think when you're betting on things, and there's gallops people listening to this right now, and if they want to say they're having a 1,000 on a galloper tonight at Pakenham and they're going to roll it all up into Captain Ravishing, your words about Captain Ravishing matter because if you keep saying this is unbeatable and it's a gentleman that win the Miracle Mile by 100 metres, and they take the 2.5 at the tab, and it doesn't win, they don't come back to the trots. And that's why it's a, a, a part of the industry which is really important to me. Because if we sound like a bunch of idiots in the media, we'll lose the confidence of the gallops and the greyhound hunters, and then they won't come back. And that's why it's important to say, hey, this is a great horse. This is a really exciting horse. This is a really cool horse, and we love this horse. 
Do you want to come watch with us? We're going to watch on Saturday night, and we're going to watch this Miracle Mile, which is March your 4th, and we might have a champion. But if we're calling him a champion before then, like we did with Ride High and Lock and Barrett, don't get me wrong, there's plenty in New Zealand as well, not just Australia. But if we keep doing that, then our words start to mean nothing. Just Newcastle Mile, BD Joe, Elta Wise guy, we, we've touched on with Steve Telfer. He said BD Joe is going to try and hold the front. Every All the root, all the word is Penny Tiger's the fastest horse off the gate since Carolta Jet. Uh, Penny Tiger, he's going to try and hold the front, he said, with BD Joe. And Alter Wise Guy certainly is a sit sprinter, uh, which I think brings Alter Wise Guy right into this race, Mick. Most people would say BD Joe's a bit better than Alter Wise Guy. What's the difference between the two horses, in your opinion? I think Alter Wise Guy is very fast. I think um, BD Joe's a better horse and a stronger horse. But New Zealand gate speed very, very rarely stands up to Australian gate yeah, speed. Yeah, yeah. And particularly in WA and Menangle, where they can be like crazy off the gate. Yeah, yeah. They just tend to cross them all the time. I don't know Penny Tiger well enough to know. I don't know how it's travelled. It trialled pretty good between races last week at Menangle. So, yes, it may well cross them. It may not matter if it does cross them. I couldn't possibly take a dollar seventy or advise our listeners to take a dollar seventy about BD Joe. So, I'll stay out of that race. Um, I'll be interested to watch it. I think it's a nice free ticket to the Miracle Mile for somebody because there's no Bondi lockdown and no Captain Ravishing and obviously no Honolulu Bay. So I think whoever wins it tomorrow night, their trainer's done a smart thing by going there. I I suggested to Steve Telford to try and dead heat it with his two horses, and then they both get in the Miracle Mile. Actually, with that, there you go. There's a point I've never thought of. <laughs> that actually happen? What, what would happen in that situation? Oh, well, I, pre- I, pre- I presume they would. Well, he doesn't know the answer. I don't know the answer. And clearly, you don't know the answer either. Do they both get in? Does, do they? Look, I oh. presume they would only because the first three, I think it's well, the first, no, the first two out of the prelude to guarantee the spot. And the yeah. Chariots of Fire one is going to five. get a spot. So that's five. So technically, you could do that. They tend to leave a spot for the Mayor, who is the Queen Elizabeth. But whoever the Mayor is this year, because Ladies and Red's not going around, she won't deserve a spot. You couldn't put Brayden Kelly on there. Or Tay Tay. No. So, yeah, I think they've probably got more spots this year than usual, but I'm not sure they can manufacture a DT tomorrow. <laughs> but I, I, I guess, we, as, I said, as I said, Toby, we can all watch together. That's the great thing about it. We can yeah. all watch together. Hopefully, this time next week, we're talking about the further development of Captain Ravishing. Uh, or or yeah. Catch a Wave. Catch a Wave's a wonderful but, horse. And, and hopefully, those four year olds come through and we do have Honolulu Bay and Bondi Lockdown and Chuck a Kiwi in. It's always interesting if you've got a Kiwi there, a BD Joe. Um, to have for this miracle mile. It's going, to be, it's going to be a lot of fun finding out how it goes, but I've always found in all my time in harness racing, the month between, which actually four weeks, the four weeks between the Hunter Cup and the Miracle Mile is when things change the most. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there's, all, there's always these reasons. It's a different track uh, at Menangle. It's a, it, you know, it takes a few runs for your horses to get used to it. I've heard it plenty of times, Mick, and... Uh, there's a little bit of heat around, as you, as you referenced as well. Catch a wave went up yesterday, and he's. Uh, uh, I don't know if you saw the video. Andy Gatt said he left some spikes out on the road, jokingly, uh, for for Captain Ravishing to pick up, so he doesn't make it there well, Saturday well, night. But well, 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 he's made it. <laughs> he, he Captain Ravishing's arrived. He's in the retention bar. There you um, go. At Menangle, so he, he's there. So we'll all be there. And look, I'm not going to take a dollar twenty-five about Captain Ravishing, but I also wouldn't be stunned if he won by fifteen meters. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. You, you take the all up, uh, Chariots of Fire into the Miracle Mile, you're only getting $2.50. Do 
but you can get two dollars sixty the place BD Joe or Honolulu Bay. So when you put it in those relative terms. I'd be backing those to the place at the moment ahead of that all up, if that makes sense. Well, and you, and you couldn't even take that all up because um, it'd be related outcomes. Yeah, okay. So unless they give you a special yeah. double, they couldn't even. But I know what you're saying. Yeah. Um, it's going to be fun to find out. For me personally, Toby, as much as I love all the stuff and it's going to be great fun, I love the sales. I'm going to the sales on Sunday. If you want to watch the sales online, yep. Um, NZB Standard Breed. And from 9.30 Melbourne time, there'll be a preview show and we'll talk about what's going to be a pretty hot catalogue. There'll be a lot of Australian interest there. And yeah, it, it's like any potato chips watching the sales. You watch one horse and you think, I'll stop. And you just need to do it. <laughs> oh, what a great analogy. I love it, Mick. Thank you for that. Great note to finish on and look forward to talking about all this again next week with you. So do I, Toby. Thanks for the opportunity. On you, Mick. There's Mick Gurren. And, yeah, I love that. Uh, eating potato chips, the sales. You just watch one, and then you just dip your hand in and get another. Miles Fitzness here. Don't tell me he's on SA time again. Uh, let's get to a break. We'll come back. We've got Jamie Cockshut and a big Taz racing half an hour to come. We've plenty to talk about with Jamie. Trot's Life, Thursday edition. Plenty of Menangle and New Zealand chat today. Steve Telfer, wasn't he terrific? I threw him. I got an inside source on Steve Telfer. Don't you worry about that. Born and bred in Broken Hill. And he come a, a long way from Broken Hill, isn't he? In, uh, training out of Auckland. And as Mick said, the biggest, the biggest player in harness racing. And he was going to the Broken Hill Trots as a kid. His late father, Jeff, and was a trainer. His mum, Fran, was one of the first drivers in harness racing. It's a great story, really. I have to get, we'll have to do a, uh, a long chat with Steve Telfer one time and go right through his career. It's, uh, there's a lot, a lot to it. He's been a lot of places. Mick Gurren talking very strongly about uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves is basically what he's saying with Captain Ravishing. There's so many media in Victoria that we dominate the airwaves. We make so much noise about our horses. Well, so be it. So be it, I say. We're Victorians. We're proud of our horses. We, we love Captain Ravishing. He's ours. He's, he's a, oh, he's a Victorian. Oh, yes, he is. Of course he is. And we're going to love him for it. Oh, we've got to. It, 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 that's, that's only natural, isn't it? And... New South Wales, Mick touched on, there's not a lot of media from New South Wales, but I'll tell you what, they're doing some wonderful things up there. The Harness Fantasy Challenge is just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It's been so engaging to so many people, and I'm not playing it hardcore or anything like that. I'm just doing it just for an interest's sake. But I see so many names on there. Nikita. I assume that's Nikita Ross, you know. Uh, BJ, I wonder if that's uh, Belinda McCarthy. There's so many good names on there. Uh, my brother is heavily invested in it. He's loving it. 
Matt Lapard. I get Matty on and I said to him, who's your captain? This is before the chat the other day. Who's your captain in the Harness Fantasy? He says, oh, I'll tell you off air, but I'm not saying it on air. There's a car at stakes, <laughs> you know, and that's what we want. That's fantastic. Oh, they, they, they have... They have moved ahead in leaps and bounds up there and love what they're doing, love what we're doing as well. And it just feels like uh, pushing a car up a hill is a difficult thing by yourself. But if uh, two people are pushing that car up the hill, Victoria and New South Wales and Queensland as well, make that three. And then Tassie Racing having a real crack as well, seeing Paul Campbell down there promoting their sales. If you've got four people pushing the car up the hill, it seems a lot easier than just one pushing the car up the hill. Mick Gurren joining us from New Zealand as well. And and now that the COVID's sort of behind us, also feels like that uh, New Zealand and Australia are back a lot closer than we were. We were only, like, felt like there was only a river between us for a long time. Then it felt like oceans and oceans during COVID. But now it just feels like uh, that ocean's dwindled back just to a river again. Let's get to a break. We'll come back the other side. Jamie Cockshut from Taz Racing. He's going to help us push this car up the hill. The SEN app, now compatible with Apple Watch. Download today to listen anywhere, anytime. To Trot's Life with Toby McKinnon. Welcome back to Trot's Life. We roll on into our Taz Racing segment and our great mate Jamie Cockshut is there. Firstly, Jamie, how are you? And uh, I assume you're in the pie factory today. Oh, I'm making a bit of bread at the moment, Tobes, to be honest, mate. Just a little bit of bread. Wait, will we I'm, it? A, I'm a very talented young man, you see. I can make everything when it comes into a bakery, mate. I thought maybe you've had a blue with someone and, and you're going to go break bread with them. <laughs> Nah, mate. <coughs> you want something done properly, Toby? You got to do it yourself. You know that. Is that right? Is it? Oh well, I'll do the tips then yeah. for uh, the weekend, will I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all right, mate. Look, um, we got no guest on. We, I was keen to get Tony Peterson on, but he was very, very uh, grateful of the fact we asked him to come on. He's got a nice little horse for a firecracker, Nola. Four starts, two wins, but he uh, politely declined. It's Pretty well bred this horse by Captain Treacherous, and certainly Jamie, you can probably talk to Tony a lot better than I can, having uh, owned a horse with him. Yeah, Tony's a Tony's a great fella, Toby, but he's, he's pretty shy, mate. He yeah. actually doesn't even own a mobile phone. So if you, you want to contact Tony, you want to call him after six pm, mate, or even drive up to his house. But he, he's an he's a hall of famer. He was a great rangeman back in the. Late 80s and 90s, he competed against Barry Rattray and Neville Webley and he had a lot of success. He had a lot of success on the mainland and that's where he built up good friendships with uh, John McLean. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And John McLean's the reason he's got Firecracker Nola. Like, John sent him over some pretty handy horses over the years. You know, Firecracker Nola's just one of them, one of the late ones. And before that, um, I think Ransom Old's done a really good job over here for Tony. Won a Metropolitan Cup and some couple of features, and and that's where it all started. Now Tony's trained a lot for John McLean over the years, and um, they've remained friends. But yeah, Tony, he's just a he's just a master trainer. He's so precise. He never has a big team in work. He only has three or four. There's a beautiful property, his own training track um, at Mangalore. 
And yeah, like he's retired, he used to be a postman, he was a postman for 40 years. And um, he retired from there and now yeah, he's just a hobby trainer, mate. And he breeds a couple every year and um, hopefully he gets another horse coming through. But he actually trained my best horse um, called our Sir Jekyll and um, we had a great relationship, me and Tony. We've trained numerous horses for me over the years and he's an absolute gentleman, Toby. So that's a bit of a rundown on Tony. Yeah, so tell us a bit about our Sir Jekyll because uh, he was bred by Lorraine McKenzie who's now in Victoria training from Croydon. She trains one or two and I see the ownership was Elle McKenzie and Jay Cockshut at certainly when it, when it first started racing and and Graham McIntosh, another local to Croydon here in Victoria, was, was the trainer. Tell us a bit about that. Uh, well, Sir Jekyll, like, um, well, Lorraine McKenzie's Juanita's older sister. Okay, yeah, okay. And their father's Joe. Joe, I had a baker in Norfolk, and Joe would come in every morning and buy his loaf of bread and his car- uh, loaf of bread and a carton of milk, and he knew I loved to punt on the horses. Yeah, And he yeah. just said, why don't you start buying some horses? I said, oh, I'm not interested. And um, anyway, he taught me to buy one. The first one was hit the spotlight. I think he won first up for us. And after that, I got the bug. And um, I was able to meet up with Lorraine, and she was breeding a few each year. And I said, how about I just take 50% and I'll pay you 50% of all the horses you got in foal and all that. And strangely enough, the first three horses I had with her were our Sir Jekyll, I'm a Miss Molly, and Step Up and Play. <laughs> And um, if you have a look at their record, you'll see why I got the bloody bug and I'm still here <laughs> 20, 15 years later. And I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I think Jekyll won, he won over 30-odd races and over 300,000. I think Molly won seven out of eight as a two-year-old filly, won every single feature race on the calendar. Yeah. And Step Up and Play, you know, she was underrated. She had a very good record. She beat um, She's Riley Mack on her merits once in a mare's feature in Tassie and... Um, and, yeah, so that's how I got in partnership with Lorraine. And as time went on, um, you know, I had some pretty some pretty decent mates and um, they wanted to get into the horses. And Lorraine sold her share of our Sir Jekyll to a couple of mates of mine and um, for a, a decent amount. And couple of sharing al- a couple of allies. Yeah, a couple of allies, yeah. Steve <laughs> Alley and his brother, Steve Alley and Jill, his wife, and Steve's brother, Chris Dent. Um, oh, yeah. So they brought into him, and um, we had a fair bit of fun with him. They brought on Miss Molly as well, but she never went on, sadly. But our Sir Jekyll, he went on to, you know, to be, you know, I think he won Horse of the Year over here. He probably should have won it a couple of years, to be honest. The year he won it, I don't think he deserved it, but a couple of years he did deserve it. He didn't win it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> that's, the, that's the way she goes. But he won the Easter Cup. He won races at Menangle. He won races at Melton. He was just an absolute superstar, mate, and... Um, yeah, I've been trying my hardest to get another one, but not one of the, not that the durability of him. It's not that easy. You, you come to Victoria, Tony brought him to Victoria at one stage, he won at Melton, and then he ran eighth in the Yarra Valley Cup behind, ironically, flying into state. Yeah, that's right. Um, we we came over that night. It was a big night. Ricky Duggan, he drives all my horses, and Rick came over to drive him at Melton. Well, very confident, but he only just won. He only just won. Well, thought he'd win a bit easier than what he did, to be honest. But <laughs> he only fell in. He only fell in, so it doesn't matter. They don't pay by the margins. And, and yeah, then he raced in the Yarra Valley Cup, um, and he just had no luck. But he did turn the tails on flying into state a couple of times when um, Gavin Lang brought him over to, to Mowbray when we was on our home deck. I think we beat him <laughs> in a, a Golden Mile. I think he might have won a couple of Golden Miles, Jekyll, and, or Launceston Miles, and... 
Yeah, but no, he's a great horse, mate, and um, he's the reason I'm, I'm, I do what I'm doing to you. If it weren't for him coming along, mate, I wouldn't have had the pleasure of chatting to you every week, Toby, that's for sure. You, you did turn the tables in the Golden Mile, and I, I always laugh at these races. What distance is the Golden Mile run over, Jamie? Yes, don't, don't get me started. 1,680 <laughs> metres. <laughs> is, that, is that a bugbear? It doesn't worry me so much, but it's just my, um, my brain can't cope with it. So yeah. it, that's all it is. It doesn't worry me. I don't mind them calling it a mile in a sense. It's just, it's just hard for me to compute. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And, look, Jekyll was up with Paul Fitzpatrick and Paul done a super job yeah. with him. And we went up there one day for the... I was, on the, I was on a feature race. They might have been their size stakes meeting day, and there's a there's a mile race from a stand start. Um, hey, uh, a group two mile race from a stand start. They had it's just a, a one of John Dumsney's ideas, and well, we had our Sir Jekyll up there with oh, Paul, yeah. and, yeah, and you know, it. I found it. Yeah. Yep. we sent him for that. But in, um, about three months earlier, we brought a horse called Our Chain of Command off connections of Dean Braun. He just lost his way and. You know, I thought he was still good enough to win some races, and um, he won first up for us down here at thirty to one. And I think Mark Yale drove him that night, and and then he had a stand start. And I said, "Well, come on, we need to let's ship him up there." I think we we made the decision on the Monday to nominate him. The fields are out Monday night, and he was up there Sunday. And our trainer command actually won the race, and Jekyll was very unlucky in it, to be honest. And um, I think it, I think it's still the world record. For a horse winning over a mile, and that's owned by our chain of command, mate. Who, yeah. He was a great horse too for us once we got him off Dean and Connections. He won a couple of races off 40 and 50 metres at Hobart, which was unheard of back in those days. And um, yeah, but yeah, that's a little bit of a thing about our Sir Jekyll, mate. He still means a lot to me. He's still kicking around. He's up at Tony's, Tony's nephew's place up in the north of the state, and I'll get a bit of an update every few months about him, making sure he's okay. And he'll walk in and He'll walk up to the veranda and put his head through the window sometimes and um, and just say hello and all that. But he was just the most genuine, gentle horse. He wouldn't hurt a fly. And he just gave his all, mate. He just gave his all. And as you you would know, there's not many horses that can have got the longevity of racing at their peak for five or six seasons. Yeah, and that's correct. one thing. And that's one thing he'd done, mate. He was a good two, nice two-year-old, really good three-year-old. And... He just gave his all every time he went around, mate. And honestly, he probably ran second probably 15 times and he got beat by a short half-head or a half-head in 15 of those seconds. So, <laughs> yeah. He always, yeah, but he was always a horse doing the work, three wide of the breeze or sitting in the breeze. So he's always vulnerable and most of the time he held on, but sometimes he just got nabbed in the shadows of the post. Our, our chain, that stand start, do you remember the mile rate? I think it might have been about 155, 154 or something. 155.4. So the quarters were 32 from the stand, which is understandable. 28, 28, 27.4. So I suppose when you go from the stand, you've got a bit more in reserve in the last 600, don't you? Because you haven't run so hard at the start, perhaps. Does that make yeah, sense? You, you can, as long as you step safely. Like, yeah, yeah. I remember that race. Jekyll missed a start 20 metres. Yeah, okay. Gallop down. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah, he galloped down to and, and old chain, he pinged away and, and Chris yep. Alpha drove him on the night on the day and Tanabi Bromack was the favourite and Chris just put him in the right spot, mate, and had the four hundred. I think he was twenty to one. And I said to me partner Barry Cooper who was with me, I said, Mate, they won't beat him. They can't beat him. He's just done no work and one thing about chain, he could sprint for three or four hundred metres. Yeah. 
And, you know, he was just, he just, it was the biggest thrill, mate. Like, we, we got onto the news back over, yeah. back in Tasmania. Yeah. When, I, when I got back, I, I made sure it was made public on the 6pm news on the night and and all that, because, you know, it's a world record and, you know, not that it means much, but there's not many races run over a mile. So, <laughs> no, but, yeah, but, but, but we'll take it, mate. You'll probably go down the rest of history that he is the world record over a mile, over 1,600, you know, from a stand start. Yeah. Unless they, they run one and Captain Ravishing goes around in it and might break 155.4. Yeah, but what if, he, what if he misses the way 50 metres, mate? <laughs> oh, well, he might have he, could still, he could still break it. He, he could might still, still break, break it. it. He just but might still break it. He could still break it. But he's a superstar horse, but he just, he's only beaten his own age. He's got to race the, the, the open class paces now. And I'm looking forward I'm looking forward to the next three months for that horse because he's a star. Don't get me wrong. But... Um, when you've got a field of stars racing against you. Yeah, correct. It's not as easy of racing against a field of below below he, par horses. And he, he draws outside front a miracle mile and it's game on, isn't it? Correct, correct. Yeah. You know, look, they won't the thing about him, he's got that bigger aura about him. They're not gonna do any favours for him, mate. Yeah, <laughs> I'll he, guarantee you. And but, I, t- I tell you, you wanna be on the pegs in the miracle mile. You need to uh, get to the pegs. Well, there's a horse called Bow Tie to win America Mile a few years back, and I, I still remember the conversation with BJ. He rang me before because we won a bit of money off Bow Tide up there, me and him together, and <laughs> he said, mate, we're driving for luck, we're going to drive on the pegs. If the gap's open up, he'll win. And I think Chris and me kicked away, and old James darted back to the inside and up on the, up on the inside he got and raced away, and you know, that's when he won his first Miracle Mile because... As you mentioned, Toby, around that corner at an angle, if you're out three and four wide, mate, you lose a lot of ground coming around that corner. 100% you do. That's 2013 you're talking with Bowtide, and uh, we've only really got uh, five minutes left, Jamie's, in, in actual time of uh, air time, so we better get a breakaway. It <laughs> went very quickly, that. And we'll come back the other side, and I'll get some tips off you for over the weekend. No worries, buddy. You're listening to Trot's Life with Toby McKinnon. Welcome back to Trot's Life. There's been absolute scenes in the ad break here. Oh, I've asked Jamie three or four times off air, who's your best bet at Launceston? And you just won't bloody tell me. Jamie, <laughs> uh, you're still there now. <laughs> at least tell us on air your best bet... At Launceston, who is the horse? I don't know how to say it, to be honest, Toby. It's spelled <laughs> M-A-E-B-E-E. Maybe. So, uh, maybe. That's correct. So race four, number seven, maybe. Always had a lot of ability, and it's really starting to hit the straps now. And, but I think every time particular is a good thing, it's got beat. So <laughs> so let's hope to, on Sunday night, Todd push forward from out wide. And the lead, he might be able to bully his way to the lead or, or sit parked. And he's just racing so well, and I reckon he can get the job done. At, you know, $2.50 be a good price to have a few dollars on, to be honest, Toby. Yep. The value plays. Race three, number three, Deadly Assassin. It was only 12 months ago he was on free for all level. Now he's dropped way back into this class. Gets a good draw. Um... He should be able to push forward and put himself into the right spot and he'll give a great sight around the $5 mark. The other value runners, race eight, number nine, Ideal Carouta. Gets a good trailing draw. It's a pretty thin race and he can do a little bit of work. So 
he'll push out three wide of the 800 and put himself into the race and you know, he might be good good enough to outbat these rivals in the run to the line at around the 5 or $6 mark. And the one at odds is race six, number eight, Top Hanover. This is a pretty good race. Um, they've all got winning chances. So I just think Top Hanover's going to get the right run over behind the leader all three pegs. Mm. And if they do run along, he'll get his chance late to get out and get over the top of them around the 10 or $12 mark. Okay, Stormy Sands for me. But, yep, keep going. Yeah, yeah, Stormy Sands, it's a tough race. Now we'll go to Hobart Sunday night. This is a pretty good meeting, to be honest. It's, it was hard to find the best bet. So just listeners out there, don't take it for a gospel and go and put your last $5 on it. But race one number four, Jack James. He'll be 4 or $5. It's only a small field and that suits him. I reckon there will be a bit of speed and if Jack James can just sit back and smoke his pipe and a bit of luck from the 400, he'll take plenty of holding out in the first. So we'll go with him as the best bet of the night. The value plays race four, number 10, Kiyomi. Um, this is a race of plenty of chances. It'll be 5 or $6 a field, but... She's just tracking in the right direction. I reckon she's a great each way bet in the four. And then we go over to the Elite Free For All. This is a cracking race. This is back to the good old days of the Elite Free For All. Um, we've got Harjeet resuming. You know, he's as good as any horse in the state, if not the best when he's up and going. Riley Major, who's been that star for the last three or four years. You've got Sonny Sands, who's always thereabouts. But I'm going to rack him up Tiger Pie. Um, he came over this time last year. And he returned to form. He won a heat of the Hobart Pacing Cup, was favourite in the final, but just missed away under stand star conditions. He can push forward. If he can get outside the speed, geez, he's going to take a lot of beating, mate. And he should be 4 or $5 in that race. And race seven, number one, Military Man. He got home well last time. He likes being on the peg, so he's going to get the right one. Just hopefully he holds leaders back. And from there, you'll get every chance up the sprint lane at you know, around the $10 mark in race seven. And the fuel odds come up. Race five, number eight, Kadar. Another tough race. He's just going to get a soft run. If the gaps open up, he'll hit the line okay at around the $10 or $12 mark. Race nine, number three, Star of Remembrance. This will be about 30 to one. Um, it's a tough race, but, gee, she's knocking on the door. and She's going to need a fair bit of luck to win the race because she don't win that often. But there's a win not far away from us, so we'll have a little play at a one by four or a one by five a place, and just see how she goes in the last. And we'll go with quality, mate. Pretty wide. First leg two eight nine ten. Second leg five eight nine ten. Third leg one three four and eight. Last leg two seven ten and twelve. And sixty four dollars give us twenty five percent of the dividend. Beautiful, mate. Could be a big night for Jack Watson. I think you've tipped him three to, uh, twice, and he's got a drive for uh, Dean Braun as well on Laura Milady. Uh, great to see Dean sticking him on, too. Oh, I'd love to see Jack get a, get a winner. And uh, Jack James, well, he owns Jack James. That's trained by his mum. So, um, and he's been a good horse to me, Jack James, and I just think he's he's in the right race. Island Black Prince will be favourite and deserves to be favourite. But I reckon Jack James, mate, he might get the job done and I'm sure there'll be pretty good scenes if he can't when he wins his first race, that's for sure, the young man. 100%. Good on you, Jamie. Thanks for coming on. We'll do it all again next week. No worries, buddy. See you, mate. There's Jamie Cockshut with our Taz Racing segment. We'll get a breakaway. Miles Fitzner's in the house. He's pumped. He's ready to go for a big afternoon of trackside.